There you go. This girl just followed me back. Thank you. Jesus Christ. If you take someone's phone, if you're, if you're flirting with someone and you take their phone and follow yourself, yeah, and then you don't follow them back, that's that's kind of a great up. no. That's a, a fantastic I mean, look, move. A that's move. a power move. Yeah, but it's also kind of weird. I like that. I don't want to cut any of this. Well, it's a, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> I'm just kidding. So, if you really want to make young American males pay attention young to the Americans. earth, Americans, you got to start calling it stepmother Earth, and maybe you need to stop with this. Stepmother We've talked about Earth this. catches, you know, uh, polluting sun, um, possibly looking at Snapchats that cost money to look at, etc. Then we could make a change. This is. You're obsessed with this stuff. It's, start, it's starting obs- to be a little death protest it's, too much. No, I'm not protesting about it. I'm just <laughs> noting it. It's it's weird that whatever companies run these set websites want us to fuck our stepmothers. That is weird, right? I don't. It's weird that you don't think it's weird. I don't know anything about it other than you then telling to, me about it. Yeah, I try to tell you about it. You accuse me of being yeah, one j'accuse, of the perpetrators. Yeah, j'accuse. J'accuse. Oh, I remember the last time this was used on a Jew. <laughs> there was an article in Logic, actually a few issues back, where they interviewed somebody who worked at like Pornhub doing like data analytics. I think they talked about that stuff because they really yeah they know like what people are watching so they're like oh step porn is trending well they make us watch it I don't watch it but it's like any of it it's like chicken or the egg right it's like yeah I'm on I think it's egg I'm team egg (laughs) (laughs) um um I Bryce I have a question for you answer did you go to the Bernie Sanders rally I first of all hi Town is not somewhere I'm visiting anytime soon. What? Uh, town. Bernie Sanders' old ally Jesse Jackson once called New York Hi Town, oh. which objectively <laughs> is correct. There are a lot of my people there. Uh, he was just making a statement. Yeah. Um, no, I didn't. But I did see. What are you doing? He's making notes. What is that? That's a keyboard on your lap. Have you never seen a wireless keyboard? Never seen a wireless keyboard. <laughs> that is blowing my fucking mind. Uh, yeah, I can't believe Bernie came out and said that he's dropping out in front of 25,000 people. <laughs> yeah, it was kind of a bummer. Yeah, that was crazy. And then he mouth kissed Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Look, he had one shot. That's his stepdaughter. Yeah. <laughs> but it is cool that he said that do that he no longer, that he is, he believes that Hillary Clinton is, is, is innocent of being friends with Jeffrey Epstein and that Donald Trump also is innocent of being friends with Jeffrey Epstein and that he, Bernie Sanders, will retire quietly to his fifth home in Antigua <laughs> rather than I, pursue this baseless claim. I think Bernie should pivot to a locker up campaign. Absolutely. Okay, well, who's her? The royal her. Oh, the queen? <laughs> no, uh, all the hers. Oh, women. Yeah. He should lock women up? <laughs> yeah. Well, that's really, that, that would excite his base quite a bit. Uh, but yeah, I mean, they're all, it's, the thing is, if Elizabeth Warren, as I suspect, is doing an Animorph style morphing into an animal, the animal being Hillary Clinton, <laughs> then Bernie is absolutely within his rights, both as a man and as a sexist, to demand that Elizabeth Warren does five to ten years in a federal penitentiary for being friends with Jeffrey Epstein. Um... I don't think she was friends with Jeffrey Epstein. She was friends with Larry Summers, right? 
Uh, frenemies. Well, they knew each other. Yeah. Well, if you know someone, you're friends with them. She gets a lot of credit for um, stopping Larry Summers at the Fed, but I don't know how much I believe on that. Well, that she reporting. stopped him by having sex with him. Oh, God. <laughs> Uh, my name is Larry Summers. I'm joined here by Elizabeth Warren and our producer Adolf Hitler. And we are talking. What? Welcome to Planet Money. Uh, welcome to True or Not. Hi, guys. I don't know what Brace is saying. Liz, are you a pedophile? No. Neither am I. My name is Brace. Producer Young Chomsky, also, as far as I know, not a pedophile. And that is the true and on guarantee. <laughs> uh, we caught John Luke Burnell. Uh, yeah, I did we? Well, first of all, we caught him first because, like, two months ago, we were both like, he's in Brazil, and bam, he's yeah, in Brazil. Just reported last week. Yeah, a cop, which this is the weird part. They were just like, oh, a cop tracked his cell phone calls and found he's in Brazil. But who's the cop? But they had already been... There's pictures already, of him there and shit. Yeah, and they'd already been suggesting that that's where he was. It's like, oh, well, a couple weeks ago we were like, hey, maybe he's in Brazil. And then we thought to look into it. And guys, turns out he's there. We just looked at the cell phone. It's like you didn't... Hey, gene, brain geniuses, look at cell phone. Exactly. Can't you just track that's their the cell phone? That's the first phones? thing you look at. These people are always... on These French people always looking at their phones. Ashing cigarettes onto them and, and such. Uh, yeah, he uh, he's there with Ghislaine. That's what they say. I don't believe it. You think they're mating? Whoa! To make <laughs> like, Whoa, that just like that just <laughs> so like a little peanut. I didn't mean to hit you with that, uh, but they could be trying to like they're like all right the line the the high I've never seen Highlander, but they're like this the is line a horrible picture of Gillian. Oh, she looks hor- She looks terrible. My God, this is real, like actual, you know, like there's porn stepmother and then there's real stepmother. This is real stepmother. Um, my God, Brunel's kind of like handsome in a goblin way. Uh, there is also, um, this is, by the way, this source, this is skynews.com. I know. And it all came from Sky News too. So first of all, what? Well, inf- so inform- this is from the article. Information gathered by a former U.S. police officer could be that weird guy, that former uh, uh, Florida cop who lives in... The one in Russia. Russia. Now. Well, I got some news on him, too. Oh. Uh, who was not paid or commissioned by Sky News shows that Brunel's phone was traced to the Infinity Blue Resort and Spa in Santa Catarina. He's That's- just doing some self-care. It's an upmarket holiday area popular with wealthy tourists. At the same time, Ghislaine Maxwell's phone was also connected to his network in Santa Catarina State. Um, Sky News visited the hotel, but by the time we arrived, there was no sign of either Brunel or Maxwell. Okay, what do you mean they visited the hotel? They were like, they like, they like went They're on like, ding, ding, ding. and like were like, hey, is anyone in Santa Catarina, Santa Catarina, Brazil? Like, can you roll over to this hotel and then just look around? Bullshit. Yeah, this is a very strange article. This whole thing could be fake. Um, I, yeah, well, so it's been reported for, like, like I said, weeks and weeks Mm -hmm. that Jean-Luc was suspected of being in Brazil. Yeah. 
So for this to then come out and be like, like I, mm-mm, it doesn't smell right. You think? Yeah. Okay. I just think like people have been talking about it for so long. Like, how come no one's found him? And also... And they find him in the place where they said they thought he was? Like, yeah. And, oh, and, like, he just didn't think to, like, get out of Brazil? It's a little weird to me, too, because there was also rumors that he was in Thailand, which to me sounds a little more like if you are a international sex criminal, which I'm not saying any of anyone in here is, uh, that I would go to Thailand rather than Brazil. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe I mean, in Brazil, I feel like you get glossed. I wouldn't go to a resort, though. It seems a little <laughs> weird. Because now there is an investigation uh, open on Jean-Luc Brunel yeah, in, in, Paris. in Paris. Yeah, Yeah, he's wanted. The first man ever wanted for something like that. In, for in a sex France, crime in, in France. France. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And it, just, it seems so strange. Also, Ghislaine Maxwell leaving the country because she was, I mean, as far as we know, she probably, she it does look like she actually was in... Uh, What's that? What's that fucking town? Manchester by the sea. Exactly. What uh, you think she was actually there? I think she was actually there. Why? Her sister was trolling around there with a uh, car full of bags. Mm. I don't know. It's uh, it, it, which it's, sister? Uh, Sorry, Brace. You fucking <laughs> bitch. don't fucking do this to me. <laughs> I don't remember which sister it was. <laughs> sorry. One of her sisters. I'm sorry. One of the twins we talked about last week. You got to embarrass me like this? Please. I'm trying to do a fucking podcast here. Please don't hit me, Brace. Jesus Christ. You're lucky that both my arms are too weak for me to raise above my chest. <laughs> um, I don't remember. One of her sisters was was trolling around with a fucking uh with a fucking car full of pack bags there. Okay, here's my other thing. What? Why would these two be together? That is weird. Be- um, well, they knew each other pretty well. Well, okay, but so they're just like, well, okay, so this is, okay. Bonnie and Clyde. Let's let's think through this. Uh-huh. Imagine you, yourself, are Jean-Luc Brunel. Oh, God. And I, myself, am Gillian Maxwell. Oh, God. <laughs> now, in this scenario, uh-huh. there's two options. Yeah. One, trust no one. Oh, okay. That seems sensible. To trust someone. Trust someone. And, you know, okay, so if Gillian's uh, in and out photo mm-hmm. shoot was, as as I said on the podcast, and it seems has now become kind of a group thing, um, a like cry to like get me out of here, like a signal, a mess, encoded message. Uh huh. Then it means that she believed her life was in danger. Remember the book she had open? Yeah, well, that we couldn't even see the cover of, but right. what she herself reported was the, the secret lies of the CIA. Yes. Whatever. Um, so perhaps the only man she could trust, Jean-Luc Bernal. What do you think? You think Jean-Luc works for French intelligence? No, I'm saying <laughs> that she knows he doesn't. Oh, yeah, and that, that she she... You know, because he's also pretty rich as well. Not, I mean, yeah, he's not all these Epstein weird, like, rich. yeah, shell corporations. Exactly, rich. but he, you know, he's got, he's probably got his own network, and he certainly has, you know, according to testimony from people we read in the, in the, you know, in the last tranche of documents released, there is a network in Brazil. There is at least one woman, possibly more, that provided Jean Luc and Epstein with young Brazilian girls. Right. So if there's this sort of illegal network down there already like basically Would, participating in slavery, 
uh, I'm sure that things can go the opposite way. And if they need to get out, you know, they can possibly call upon that network who, you know, there is a little bit of crime in Brazil, correct? <laughs> um, they call me Frankie Favela because I'm so <laughs> familiar with it. Uh, but they, there is a, you know, I'm, I'm sure, I mean, just like there's a mafia sort of thing in the East Coast here and other countries, they can get people in and out. Right. So I wouldn't be surprised at that. But the, the, the stain at the spa is a little confusing to me. Also, well, it's not that confusing. I mean, it's not like they're, it's just a fancy resort. Yeah. I mean, they're not going to be in some like little like apartment. Yeah, that's the thing with rich people go on the run is that they just still try to be rich when they're fugitives, which I think is extremely baller. Uh, well, by definition, it's baller. But it's it's a good way to get caught. Because if I was them, I would just go to like the, the fucking No, because Amazon. all these hotels like protect them. Yeah, that's true, too. I mean, remember that fucking... It's like in John Wick. It's like, it's like rich people have hotels where like you can't... It's just like rich people rules and laws. Yeah. So like no no arrests in rich, you know, they, they keep everyone yeah. safe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like one of those places they call you and you go down to the police station or you bounce. Um, okay, wait. So my other thing is scenario two. So first scenario, she calls him up and she's like, Jean-Luc, we know each other. Jean-Luc. Shit's going down. I'm going to you down in Brazil. Uh-huh. Second scenario, I'm not fucking talking to anybody. Yeah. You know, solo flight. I'm going to, you know, I can only trust myself. No friends, no masters, whatever. That's what I'm always saying that. (laughs) (laughs) And this is a whole little thing to throw everyone off the scent. Okay, it could be. Well, there could be a third option. The question is, yes. Okay, here. I've got another third option for you. Yeah. (laughs) You know, I've always got theories. Third option. Are the authorities really looking for these people? Well, obviously not. If Ghislaine wanted to leave the U.S., like, they would be able to stop her at the airport. Well, no, it's just private. You fly private, chartered flights. Yeah, I guess that's true. She's not, like, checking in at the United desk. Yeah, I guess that's just how I do it. uh, um, Well, there's the fourth option, too, which is that Mark Dugan is making this up. (laughs) Mark Dugan, who's now in Russia. Yeah. Because how does he get their cell phone records? So here's a little fun little tidbit. Love those. Mark Dugan recently posted on his Facebook that he had been poisoned. He's poisoned? That he had, um, yeah. And there was, like, a photo of him that he posted with an IV in his arm and, like, a doctor next to him giving him a thumbs up that he was doing okay. There's a doctor giving the thumbs up in the photo? (laughs) Yeah. You want me to show it to you? I would love to see it. (laughs) It's not Trump's doctor either. It's, like, a Russian. Oh, a Russian doctor. (laughs) They have those there, don't they? Yeah, of course. If you were a doctor, what would your name be? My name would be Dr. Mengele. But I would be the angel of life. Okay, so what I'm looking at here is a bald man or balding man. That's John Mark Dugan. John Mark Dugan. I've seen pictures of him before. He's not. This is not him at his best. With an IV bag, appears to be taped to the wall. He is not in a hospital, as far as I can tell. He looks like that he could is be in, a Russian hospital. It could Just be a, kidding. It could be a really shitty hospital, actually. Love he to is the lying riskies. on a futon with several blankets and pillows, sort of. He's like kind of lying diagonally around it with some other guy who. 
if I'm seeing this correctly, is just jamming a needle straight into the crook of his arm. <laughs> no. <laughs> am, I, am I missing something? That is clearly what is going on here. I'm going to zoom in on this picture. I don't I know how to do that. I think he's putting in an IV. That's not how you put it in an IV. Okay. You do not put in an IV just straight down. As somebody who has inserted many things into the veins and the crook of my arm, I mean, this, that is not how you do it. This absolutely could be fake. He says, got glycol poisoning. Luckily, I had one serving or, or things could have been really bad. Still, I need to do some things to restore my health. I'm counting myself. What's glycol poisoning? It's um, a way to poison someone. It appears to be something that your Ethylene, cat gets. glycol poisoning. What is what is propylene glycol? What's all right? Ethylene. Oh, it's like antifreeze. Oh, he drank antifreeze. Well, I don't think he meant to. Well, he's in. I'm sorry. Do you know what part of the world is in? People drink antifreeze there. No, they don't. It gets cold. No, <laughs> that is so cute. <laughs> That's how they do it. Uh, I feel like this is. I feel like this I don't. I feel stage. if they were gonna poison John Mark Dugan, it's. Russians are pretty good at killing people, like the Russian mafia or whoever. Yeah, side note, that's why you know those, like, quote-unquote Russian poisonings in the UK were totally fake. Why? Because if the Russians wanted to, they would have... I mean, there was so, it was so sloppy. I don't know if you're familiar with Bellingcat, but <laughs> Bellingcat, the world's most oversexed group of men... <laughs> Uh, have told me. Are we going to go into Bellingcat? Oh, we'll go into Bellingcat one day, hopefully with a fucking oh machine God. gun and I'm destroy put on my every hat. single person in that building. I, mean, I don't have a building. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. It's, plane tickets to Langley are expensive, and I'm not really trying to trying to go there right now. Anyways, John Mark Dugan is dying no. of glycol poisoning <laughs> because he drank antifreeze. He's the person who obviously subs- uh, provided these like cell phone records. I don't. Sky News doesn't post the actual records or anything, so we have no way of seeing if like if this is just like an Excel spreadsheet that Dugan sent them. It was like this is real. I mean, I don't know. I'm I'm torn on him, but. I kind of get the feeling he's a crank. Really? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. He does claim to have all the videos. Which is like post... And he says that he's got a dead man's switch. Well, why doesn't he just post the videos then? He calls himself Bad Wolf. I know, it's a little corny. It's super... No, he is like... Uh, what's he should have gone with Earwolf. Yeah, yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> um, I like a... I'm, a... I'm a fan of good wolves. Uh, so, yeah, he fled... I, he said he fled. Also, he fled to Moscow from Toronto in 2016, um, and was granted asylum. I don't know. He was a whistleblower, so I'm not. I'm not really like. I don't know. I'm torn on him. I'm sure he's a nice guy, but I, I, I'm remains to be seen if if these cell phone records were real. Where do you think they are? What do you think? Who? Ghislaine and oh. Jean Luc. Um. I don't think that Ghislaine is alive. You don't think Ghislaine's alive? I don't know. No, I do think she's alive, or else I think that we would get news of her death. Yeah, for sure. Um, I don't know. I mean, she could be. I mean, it could be true. Yeah, I mean, it could be. But I just, yeah, I don't know. Impossible to know.
Okay, um, we're really just kind of wandering around, aren't we? Well, let's wander right up into the Gates Foundation. Oh, so big story this week in the New York Times. Which should surprise nobody. Um, about Bill Gates and his relationship with Mr. Epstein. Slick Willie. <laughs> That's not what we call we him. We all call him Slick <laughs> Willie. That's not, no. And his wife, Hillary Gates. Um, yeah, it turns out that Mr. Bill Gates uh, likes other rich people no matter who or what they have sex with. I find it heartwarming. Yeah, so um, big article in the New York Times... Uh, published about a week ago, Jeffrey Epstein, the convicted sex offender who committed suicide in prison, mm -hmm, managed to lure an astonishing array of rich, powerful, and famous men into his orbit. I like the idea of calling... By the way, I'm now referring to Bill Gates as a Jeffrey Epstein orbiter. Yeah. Oh, he's for sure an (laughs) e-boy for Jeffrey Epstein. (laughs) Um... Mr. Gates, the Microsoft co-founder, whose hundred billion plus fortune has endowed the world's largest charitable organization, has done his best to minimize his connections to Mr. Epstein. But in fact, beginning in 2011, Mr. Gates met with Mr. Epstein on numerous occasions, including at least three times at Mr. Epstein's palatial Manhattan townhouse, and at least once. Townhouses staying- can't be palatial. I'm sorry. Yeah, I don't think that's that's quite a right. villa. That's a word to describe a villa. Um. At least once staying late into the night. <laughs> wow. Some real exciting details in this. Yeah. It's like, whoops, one up past one. Um, so I don't think actually that, I mean, this, you know, a lot of people were like, oh my God, bombshell, blah, 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 blah. But I, I thought that we kind of all knew this. This is, this is, I keep reading things that like really surprise me. Like when people are like, Jean-Luc Burnell, possibly like, a, like there was articles like that. Like he's possibly a sex offender or like. Uh, yeah, of course Bill Gates was friends with Jeffrey Epstein. Like, we, Boris Nikolic, we've known this. Boris Nikolic, is, 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 who's, you know, a, gay, a close Gates associate, is the fucking executor on Epstein's will. Like, none of this is surprising at all. Right. I do think that there's, like, new details in this that are interesting about, particularly, you know, we've talked on the podcast before about the Gates Foundation mm-hmm. and a lot of their... Um, you know, terrible work that they do throughout the globe. Um, so, you know, they write about at the time around that Gates was meeting with Epstein, the Gates Foundation was working with J.P. Morgan on what they're calling the Global Health Investment Fund. If there's one thing I associated J.P. Morgan with, it is global health. Yeah, its goal was to provide, quote, individual and institutional investors the opportunity to finance late-stage global health technologies that have the potential to save millions of lives in low-income countries. Wow, this is I love that Verso book. <laughs> I uh, mean, you know yeah, means, there's some right? that's some like incredible. Yeah, break it down for us. It means paying women in Uganda $5,000 to get their tubes tied. Yeah. Um I also love calling countries low-income. <laughs> These <laughs> low-income countries. Jesus fucking Christ. We need affordable seats at the UN. <laughs> Um, why, why are those countries low income, Mr. J.P. Morgan? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so around this time, uh, J.P. Morgan apparently brought, or Epstein wanted J.P. Morgan to bring them into the conversations about this, um, that he had like a proposal that he would get 
about like 0.3% of whatever money that he raised uh-huh. for this global fund. So if he had raised 10 billion, he would have, you know, been able to get uh, about 30 million in fees off of that. Okay. Is that so, good or is that bad? <laughs> that sounds like a kind of a bad deal, but um it's kind of an incredible, I mean, it's so a if you think about it, yeah, I mean, imagine um Epstein going around, you know, he has these like edge conferences and he, you know, goes to all of these things with the Council of Foreign Relations and he's got all these rich guys in his pocket having these crazy bunga bunga parties. Yes. On the island. Um just getting you know philanthropic donations for this mass like terrible movement, global health fund yeah, to, to like, basically make sure that nobody uh who doesn't live in, who lives in america everybody who lives in in whatever country in africa doesn't have the ability to have a kid yeah yeah um and making millions and millions off of it okay yeah that's a little creepy so it's like kind of actually i mean when you think about it i don't know i mean i guess he had a good thing going yeah, no, he had a good scam going. This whole thing's a scam. But it's it's it, it, an interesting thing to me about this article, too, is that they actually, they were hanging out at a TED conference, too, in 2011. In early 2012, another Gates Foundation team met Mr. Epstein at his mansion. He claimed that he had access to trillions, 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 trillions of dollars of his clients' money that he could put in the proposed charitable fund, a figure so preposterous. That it left his visitors doubting Mr. Epstein's credibility. I mean, my man did exaggerate some things. Uh, he did like to... He played with numbers a little bit. Yeah. He was an artist. Uh, they kept hanging out, it looks like, too. They did, yes. Um, and, of course, Mr. Gates is on the flight logs. Yeah, Much so like he myself. says that he... You know, Ms., yeah, Bill Gates is on... Flies on the Lolita Express as we call it. Um, and apparently, you know, he says he was unaware at the time. Yeah. Oh, totally. I mean, that it's it was just, Mr. Epstein's I plane. just get on whatever plane is there. It doesn't matter. Uh, yeah. And it, he kept meeting with Boris Nikolic and Mr. Gates, you know, or excuse me, Bill Gates and, uh, about investments and about the Gates foundation too. It yeah. It seems like Epstein had his little eye on it. So that's up until late 2017. Which, that's pretty fucking recent. That is extremely recently. Yeah. So, if someone asked, listeners out there, if someone asked you if you could meet up with Jeffrey Epstein in late 2017, what would you say? I'm here to resounding yes. <laughs> I mean, yeah. So it, it's, you know, there's not a lot of new information in this, but it does like, you know, I, I think like reaffirm, like our suspicions about their relationship and, you know, he's kind of tried to, it seems like in the press really distance himself, but, um, no. It's one of these meetings too. It's funny. He was with Eva Dubin and her daughter, uh, who he described as like a beautiful Swedish woman, Eva Dubin. And of course her husband, Glenn Dubin, uh, basically were some of Epstein's closest allies and alleged by multiple people, allegedly 
to have allegedly participated in satanic occult orgies with young girls and Mr. Epstein and his motley crew of pedophiles. Allegedly. Allegedly. Now, there's another little detail in this article you wanted to talk about. Yes. So there's a connection between these two men and their philanthropic empires. And that connection is a woman named Melanie Walker. Now, according to the New York Times, Miss Walker met Epstein in 92, six months after graduating from the University of Texas. Epstein, blah, blah, who was an advisor to Mr. Wexner, owner who, Mr. Wexner, who was the owner of Victoria's Secret, told Miss Walker he could land her an audition for a modeling job there, according to Miss Walker. Now, you recall that uh, Jeffrey was very he, – he, he let it be known that if you wanted a sort of backdoor into becoming a Victoria's Secret model, that backdoor was through the front door of Jeffrey Epstein's house and then right onto a massage table. Right. And he, you know, there was that there was that story about the woman who hit him with a dildo and ran out the door, yeah, et cetera. Yeah. Many and who I mean, this is the thing is this is so common in the modeling industry and the acting industry that like this probably wasn't didn't really even like get on anyone's radar. But like that seems to be what happened here. He she met with Mr. Epstein and then became a, apparently a Victoria's Secret model. She Later traveled to New York and stayed in a Manhattan apartment building that Mr. Epstein owned. Now, that would be the East 66th Street property. So this was in the mid-90s. And this is where he kept his sex slaves. Right. Ugh. After she graduated from medical school, she said, Mr. Epstein hired her as a science advisor in 98. Now, I have a gut feeling here, Liz, and this is not uh, elaborated upon the article, but I can almost guarantee you this is true, that Epstein paid for her medical schooling. Allegedly. Allegedly. You think? Well, uh, he would He would hold that above a lot of girls' heads, that I'll, I'll pay for your school. I'll pay for you to get into school. And he did pay for some people to go to school. Right. And it seems to me, so check this out. Miss Walker later met Stephen Sanofsky, a senior executive at Microsoft, who became president of its Windows division mm. and moved to Seattle to be with him. In 2006, she joined the Gates Foundation with the title of senior program officer. Strange so, for a graduate of medical school, no? I think it's a little weird. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's... Uh, Becomes, once you look a little more into her, it becomes very apparent that she did not stop at the Gates Foundation. And that, of course, and the connection here in this article is that she would run sort of uh, between Epstein and, and Gates and kind of act as their intermediary or, uh, of, of sorts. And, of course, Mr. Epstein had this close ally who's on the Gates Foundation board. Now, there's a couple other organizations that uh, Miss Walker works for that weren't mentioned in the article. Uh, those foundations would be the fucking World Bank and the <laughs> World Economic Forum. Oh, gosh. Uh, I believe she is the advisor to the president of the World and an advisor to the president of the World Bank. Uh, now, if that doesn't send a little chill up our listeners' spines, I'm not really sure what will. That's wild. Yeah, absolutely. So what I am... What I am assuring our audiences of the alleged truth is that much like Fatula Gulan, who we talked about last, last episode, and I'm not even being sarcastic here. What he appears to do is, is basically get these women at a vulnerable point in their lives or these ambitious women. And it's, which it seems like in this woman's case, uh, that, that I, of course he still preyed on her, that he 
would basically put them through schooling in exchange for whatever services they provided, which I'm sure is is were uh, sorted in nature. Uh, and they would kind of be his like point person in in whatever career they went forward to. I mean, she was his advisor. And as as we know, there was nobody in in Epstein's network who is like sectioned off from his lifestyle. His lifestyle right. of getting, you know, he had to come three times a fucking day. Yeah. If you're working with this, I'm sorry. If either of you guys had to do that, I would have noticed. Like, Excuse if me? I'm sorry, no, neither of you guys do that any times a day. But I I do it nine. Uh, but like, it's I would have noticed. Okay, can I? I can't stop talking. Um, <laughs> I it's apparent if you work with Epstein that he is a sex addict and particularly a, a sex with young girls addict. Right. Um, and so she's working with him and then she gets switched over. It seems like he kind of sent her out as, I dare say, an agent to go over to the gate side of things. I don't think it's like that. You don't think it's like that? What do you think it's like? I think it's just like she was doing what she was doing with Epstein, who when he was, you know... He was also famous for, you know, when he was done with girls, he was done with girls. Yeah, true. But he still, I mean, not always. She was introduced to lots of people in society, which includes the, this like, and she was then set up with a good job. But I mean, listen to this list of things. She is an MD clinically specialized in endovascular surgery and vascular neurology with postdoctoral studies in computational neuroscience. That sounds like some Epstein shit. I don't know what any of that means. <laughs> Formerly neurotechnology and brain science advisor, neurotechnology and brain science advisor to William H. Gates III at BGC3, director, World Bank Group, deputy, deputy director for I mean, global being development. At the World Bank is really yes. nuts. Advisor for macroeconomics and health, the World Health Organization, practitioner in the developing world, Currently, Rockefeller Fellow and Clinical Associate Professor, University of Washington School of Medicine, author of numerous peer-reviewed public... Who cares? Anyone can do that. All you have to do is get your friends to look at it. Member Executive <laughs> Board, American Medical Association Foundation, Young Global Leader, and she's not young, and Co-Chair for the Global Future Council on Neurotechnology and Brain Science World Economic Forum. The World Economic Forum is one of those organizations that, like, the Council on Foreign Affairs keeps popping up in the Epstein investigation. Yes. Um, I'm looking at an article she wrote for the World Bank, uh, which is, of course, the World Bank blogs, which is, it's it's sort of like, uh, it was like Jacobin before Jacobin, but uh, <laughs> it's called Healthy Women Are the Cornerstone of Healthy uh, Societies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't, I'm feeling that a woman who worked so closely with Jeffrey Epstein is probably not the best expert on healthy women or healthy societies or, to be honest, healthy relationships. You know, the um, the Gates Foundation was under fire recently, not just for Epstein related. What was it for? Um, they recently, they gave um, Modi, India's Prime Minister Modi. Uh-huh. Uh, an award uh, for his recognition of his work improving conditions in India. Liz, I'm going to stop you right here. <laughs> it's called the Global Gatekeeper Award. All right. Speaking of gatekeeping, I, I'm not going to let this Hindophobia continue. I get it. You think that Modi's weird. You think he's <laughs> different. You think that, like, maybe there should be, maybe they 
people in India shouldn't stand up for themselves against terrorists in Pakistan. But I disagree. Bryce, will you explain to our listeners who exactly Narendra Modi is? <laughs> he is a son of a bitch, boy. Uh, people, people are like pe- racist ass Americans think that Indians can't be fascist, but guess what? They fucking can be. Uh, he's basically he's an authoritarian. A, I he's would basically go, a fascist. He's actually like I think would think a fascist. Yeah. He is the uh, prime minister of India from the BJP, which is uh, to put it delicately a national conservative party um he doesn't think too fondly of muslims uh or or other minorities within um india or people who hold even moderate like social democratic views although it's weird i don't know bj modi has like a weird relationship to social democracy but um because you know so i think socialism is actually in india's constitution which is funny mm-hmm. uh Anyways, he is a far-right authoritarian leader of mm-hmm. India who is pretty much directly responsible for several pogroms when he was at sort of lower levels of government yeah. against uh, Muslims. Yeah. Uh, and I uh, say this as an urban Naxal that it's it, – yeah, he's a bad dude. Yeah, it's dude. not just Muslims that he hates. No. I mean, it's like any any like ethnic minority yeah. and religious minority in India – yeah. Um, well, a lot of whom are they associate with like the Naxals, the Maoists, the sort of Maoists. Yeah, Christians uh, as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, a lot of like the sort of, I mean, I guess Indi- I don't know. Jews. I don't. I don't. Yeah, I don't know enough about like Indian ethnic makeup to like indigenous or not, but like sort of the tribal areas, uh, they really like sort of ruthlessly exploit those for minerals and stuff. These Atavisi or something they're called. Yeah. Uh, they they like destroy their lands and put in these giant like mining concerns. He also recently basically walled off Kashmir. Yes, he did. Famously it's, so. Uh, basically in a, it's, um, I mean, it's like basically quite literally under, everyone is under house arrest. Yeah. But it's, I think it's, it's like, like a, at one point there's like a 24 hour curfew yeah I no media work. no like yeah. no one can get in no one can get out um it's you know the including so it's like thousands of people including children that are basically indefinitely detained yeah um well that's integralism for you <laughs> Uh, yeah, and and you know, obviously, just recently fought like a semi war with Pakistan, uh, and the recipient of a foundation of a uh, of a, a green was it like an ecological award from Bill Gates Foundation? Yeah, the Global Gatekeeper Award, which I don't, I mean, who knows what the fuck these things are, but basically, you know, it was for some sort of I think it's called like the Clean India Program. Okay, it was very like a cool. Sanitation. Uh, program, you know, I I don't know any, I don't really know the detail. I mean, I know the details of the project, which have to do with um, improving standards for sanitation workers and mm-hmm. also just like toilets. Yeah, um, throughout India. But knowing the way that Modi would go about doing such, employing such a program. Yeah. Um, the idea that the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation would award. Modi. I mean, it's like it's it's like awarding Bolsonaro or like Trump with one of these. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's based, this is what we call greenwashing. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. So it's like taking these sort of authoritarian programs and giving them the kind of 
um, air or legitimacy mm-hmm. of a kind of be of like some ecolog with having like ecological uh, purpose. Yeah, I mean, famously, Israel does this, which yeah. another very uh, India oh. and Israel <laughs> base have a lot in common. Yes, uh, in many ways, and That's and their no leaders nas- as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's. Yeah, I mean, greenwashing is is I mean that's it's a term common enough that where you and I both know it without having discussed it, right? It, it, it's 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 so common nowadays. I mean, that's basically what the Gates Foundation is all about. Is all about. I mean, we talked about that on a previous podcast, but like, you know, you briefly mentioned when we were talking about the Epstein stuff that they're what the organization that like their work in particularly in Africa having to do with basically sterilizing women mm-hmm. under the pretense of, you know... Being good for the environment or overpopulation. Exactly. A lot of these people are very concerned about overpopulation. I don't want to sound too out there, but it's it's not great when you hear rich people talking about it. Yeah, uh, it's like the Malthusian... Yes, exactly. And the thing is, like I've mentioned several times... Any any given woman with a family or, you know, this family, any given family in Africa is polluting less than any given motherfucker listening to this show. So, like, it's that's not even like it's Yeah, I mean, even thinking about but even thinking about it on like an individual basis doesn't even make sense. Well, that's I'm I'm just like saying, like, it's it doesn't the whole thing doesn't make sense. Like, why are you going to these countries and being like, you shouldn't have a kid? It's like if if Bill Gates really wanted to help the environment he would shut down his fucking company exactly or or start a private militia that eventually <laughs> could fight the u.s military win against it disband it and then disband it the militia itself he's i don't think that he's a class traitor oh no this would be like intra-bourgeois fighting and stuff so um it's funny that you bring up greenwashing yeah or we bring up greenwashing because that kind of uh, you know there's all those people in the news this yes. week Extinct, what are they called? Extinction Rebellion? More like Stinky Hippie Rebellion. And they're like doing <laughs> those like um, coordinated dance moves to like save the earth. Well, beyond whatever. that, there was a video of those like two people on top of the t- on top of the tube <laughs> in, in, in the chimney sweep city, London. Uh, I'm going to say that in a normal voice. Uh, there was two people on top of a train who were appearing to try to glue themselves on it right. in London and they were, by a savage crowd of people trying to get to work, ripped off and uh, beaten with the fists of working men. Uh, yeah, they got their asses kicked by people because they were gluing themselves to a fucking train. And I, I, that in combination with this like infographic that came up about how you should paint your hands red and get arrested... I think gave a lot of people like a little pause because those are insane things to be doing. Well, those just, if you're, I mean, if you're, if you're like trying to quote unquote build a movement to, I don't, well, I don't really know what they're trying to do, to be honest. To do something. (laughs) To raise awareness. Just do something. (laughs) Do something or risk everything. Yeah. Or whatever. Sounds like a Kaepernick ad. Well, they're starting this movement, which you, by judging by your coquettish facial expression, <laughs> seem like you're well, a bit these... skeptical of. Yeah. First of all, it's a bunch of people doing dance moves in the streets. Well, beyond that, their political program... But can program, we talk about the dancing? We can talk about the dancing. <laughs> I have a problem with this. Liz, this is such hypocrisy for you. <laughs> 
I saw <laughs> you out there. You, your every hair on your body had a beat on it, and you were dancing <laughs> oh. out there, clacking, clacking like a damn rain stick on Market Street, <laughs> stopping every bus from every direction. Um, yeah, it's ridiculous. The yeah. dancing sucks. First of all, you look stupid. Yeah. Second of all. Stop it. You look dumb. <laughs> you did it in that voice. <laughs> First of all, you look dumb. <laughs> that was about baby play, too, right? That video's gone now, huh? Daddy DDLG. DD, you remember her name? Kink shaming. You look dumb. It's, 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 oh my God. It's like a hit song or something. It's like an Abba. It's in, Dressing up like a baby isn't a sexuality. <laughs> well, I guess it is. It's Take it up with those freaks. I don't know where it is. You know I'm pro kink shame. I got in shit. I got in trouble on the internet for being pro kink shame. For fucking making fun of gamers. Yeah, but you should have known. I didn't know. That's like, that's the G word. Don't <laughs> say it like in a derogatory the way. The thing is, is that these people think I don't like gaming, but I just don't like technology. Yeah, but I like I hate all I'm a Luddite. I really I want to I hate all of it. Uh, and I don't blame people, including myself, for leaning into it. But I hate all of it. Yeah, I mean I hate all of it too, but like, come on. What? You know gamers are like it's an oppressed group. Okay, whatever. Yeah, well the thing is about gaming, Liz, is that you coming from a privileged sex being a girl. What? You don't have to game. Guys have to game. Women can, like, think and, like, do poetry and uh, do whatever Zora Neale Hustrun did. I'm just getting but, really weird results searching for this, so. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can just do it. King shaming. You look dumb. The eyes. <laughs> it's like this. It's like this. It's like this. King shaming. You look dumb. <laughs> I don't want to Google kink shame. I'm, like, scared of what's going to come up. King shame brings you only good stuff. Well, I was Googling that, like, BDLG. Oh God! Wait, what is that? Daddy dope. Yeah, daddy. Well, let's let's let you figure. Let's dwell on those words for for a moment. Daddy dom little girl. Okay, I know. Let's get back to the Green Revolution. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I'm suspicious of Extinction Rebellion. Why? Because uh, it seems it it. I'm getting Occupy vibes from it. Well, I guess I shouldn't. I shouldn't be a hater if I'm using the word vibes, but it's let's look at what Extinction Rebellion desires. All right. Their three the demands are such. Number one, tell the truth. Mm. Sounds oh. good, right? All right? Number two, act now. Mm. That's pretty good. Number three, beyond politics. Sounds pretty good too. What does that mean? Well, beyond politics, beyond left or right, it's it's so it's a non-ideological battle. Yeah, it's it's Julius Evola tells us. Um, no, it's 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 of course you know it's the env- I, I think what they're trying to say here is that it's the environment. You know, it's beyond politics, but that is a child's view of the world. Of course, because the environment isn't beyond politics, and like the people destroying the environment aren't just doing it. Like, oh. Oh, I'm sorry, Liz. Is there a problem with the culture of the mission? <laughs> uh, not that we're, we're, I mean, we're in Pacific Heights, but it's, uh, 
So here's what they say. We have a shared vision of change, creating a world that is fit for generations to come. Okay. We set our mission on what is necessary, mobilizing 3.5%, oh, they're three percenters, 3.5% of the population to achieve system change, system change, by using ideas such as momentum-driven organizing to achieve this. I love that idea. We need a regenerative culture, creating a culture that is healthy, resilient, and adaptable. This is all non, can you just stop? This is nonsense. I'm keeping going. We openly challenge, because they get get better. We openly challenge ourselves. Thank God that's what we need to do. And this toxic system, leaving our comfort zones to take action for change. We value reflecting and learning, blah, blah, blah. Welcome everyone. Uh, We actively mitigate for power. This is the funniest one. We actively mitigate Mitigate for power. I don't know what mitigate means there. Yeah, that doesn't doesn't even make sense. Uh, creating a, oh, excuse me, breaking down hierarchies of power for more equitable participation. That's just, dude. This sounds like HR rebellion. Yeah. No, it's literally, it's Wait, all like up. HR speak. Hold up. We avoid blaming and shaming. No one individual. We live in a toxic system, but no one individual is to blame. So what does this mean? Like, I don't understand... Like, like what that means. So, I mean, it's, are they just anarchists well, or are they, so, are they just HR liberals, which maybe that's the same thing, by the way, I don't have a good view of anarchism. So we, we got two people who started here. We got Roger Halam. Uh, I said that in a cool way, but he just appears to be like a regular white dude. Uh, Gail Bradbrook. Uh, they are British. He was a former co-op activist, which I don't understand why people think that like every 30 years that like we rediscover co-ops and think that's going to make like a more like equal future or something where it's like, no, you're just making you're just participating in the market. But like with it's you know, it's stupid. Um, and, you know, they're both PhDs. His he was getting his PhD in nonviolent protest, which give me a fucking wait. I'm sorry. From where? I, I don't I don't know or care. Why? But I know it's true. Yeah, I have that is in not my notes. no. What is he? I, I'm sorry. He's going to teach. He's going into academia to teach about nonviolent protests. He's getting it from King's College London. Oh, forgot fucking King's College. Yeah, King, I'm King's shaming right now. That is fucking lame. I don't know anything about college. King's is that college, a good one? Goldsmiths. Look, we got to shut these places down oh, until absolutely. we can figure out what the fuck no, is going day on. Day one, we have armed guards at the door. <laughs> and, the and shit no one's that is coming out of these these two institutions. Yeah, I've got some questions. Just pure psychotic babble. We're going to abolish the family. Oh, which, the royal family? <laughs> no. Did you really go to Goldsmiths? First semester. <laughs> so you know exactly what I'm talking about. You got about. kicked out because they were like, here's a 15-year-old, do whatever you want. And you're like, no! Yeah. Um, so it's, it's, of course, what do you think that uh, they blame, that Extinction Rebellion blames for this environmental crisis? Like the system, man. That is exactly how vague they get. It is the system. And th- what do we need to change what this? Is- we need a cross-class coalition that tells the truth, acts now, and it gets beyond politics. Do they really say cross-class? Of course they don't, but it is cross-class. Of I course. mean, there's an Extinction Rebellion business wing. They have a... <laughs> they, when they started, they, there is. It's now defunct, but obviously still continuing behind the scenes. They, they opened one and then shut it whenever it was like, what are you doing? Uh, and they... It's like, it's clear that they're like, well, we can't do this without our friends in the corporations, but the good ones. And we need to convince the corporations to change. I mean, it's, it's weird because they're decentralized, right? So you'll see different rhetoric coming from different ones. But um, 
there is no, from sort of the central body here, there is no, there's nobody saying what the obvious solution is, which is uh, arrest or worse, everybody at sort of the top. Yeah, I mean, this is this is just like not, um, you know, this is just pleading. This is what liberals do. They just plead with daddy to be a little bit nicer. Well, I'm looking at their bank. They just want daddy, daddy corporations, daddy banks. Can you Mm -hmm. just greenify the system? And then we don't have to worry about it. Do whatever carbon capture. That's not gonna, first of all, that's not going to happen. Well, even if it did happen, it's not going to change anything. Yeah. You cannot, whatever, this will probably get me in trouble. Say it, sister. You cannot greenify capitalism when the crisis is a crisis of accumulation itself. And I know that people don't agree with that. You've got these kind of, you know, Falk-esque people that have taken What's the kind Falk? of like fully automated luxury communism. Sounds fake. Go, I think going. that also came from fucking King's College, by the way. Actually, Goldsmiths, whatever. Um, you know, and this is this kind of like old school Stalinist view that like everyone can have everything. Oh, wait, I thought we were old school Stalinists. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, and, you know, that's really where it's, that, is, that kind of idea is born from. And it's not, it doesn't take into account any kind of confrontation with power. No, well, I mean, th- these people's confrontation of power, I mean, they met with, like, members of, uh, you know, the ruling party in Britain. Uh, the Tories? Uh, yeah, like, but they, like, they met with, like, a minister, I can't remember which with one. Bojo? Some Bojo? Fo- no, a pet- one of the other pedophiles. <laughs> Although Bojo's dad did speak at an Extinction Rebellion uh, protest in London. Did he really? Yeah, while... He, while the father he, of the Ubermensch? Yeah, I think was his name, Stanley. Yeah, the, uh, the most perfect man ever created. <laughs> that's Boris the Johnson. That's what called him. I, it's so fantastic, because he is... <laughs> he looks... He makes me look like freaking Barack uh, Hussein Obama. <laughs> he's just such a slob. I love it. Uh, his dad, of course, very well kept, spoke at an Extinction Rebellion protest in London. And in fact, Extinction Rebellion protests have been banned from London. Uh, have they had a ton of their supporters Is it arrested? They're ugly, ugly ass costumes. Yeah, their costumes look like shit. Uh, I don't. I think it's because they purposely get arrested. So part of their idea is that they will purposely. Uh, get arrested. They said. Well, that seems I, I wa- a little counterproductive. I watched a video with with um, with the, the, the Roger, whatever, fucking uh, speaking to a crowd. And he's like, "Listen, we need like four thousand people to get arrested and like three hundred to go to prison." I don't know if they use the word prison differently in why Britain, would they want to do that? Prison usually is a sentence in it's California at least of like longer than like a year and a half. You go from right. jail to prison. They go to the prison. Uh, oh, <laughs> but go to yes. Um, we need about four hundred people to go to prison, two to three thousand to get arrested. What's a great way of getting young, uh, you know, naive activists on the books? Right, putting them in jail. Putting them in fucking jail. Well, also, you know, in the UK, I mean, they make, you know, they're a lot more open. <laughs> About like the surveillance technology. Yeah, I mean they had the that facial you know, recognition they got CCTV shit. CCTV yeah. and you know, so they, you know, in America they they still kind of try to keep up the facade that they aren't constantly watching us. Yeah, but, but. Brit- the British people are like docile slugs. You know, they just go <laughs> from. <laughs> You know, in their little cabbie hats, they just go from chimney to chimney, sweeping or this like is not, eel that's not pies, true. swimming in. You know, the, the suffragettes were quite violent. 
Uh, sorry, how long ago was that? <laughs> Look, I'm just saying. It's in the Also, that lady was a left... Sylvia Plankhurst, left communist. Deserved to be in prison. Um, I'm just kidding. She was cool. You give me a look. I love women. Uh, it's... It seems... <laughs> <laughs> it seems like a... Not a great... Like, if I was... If a political organization came out to me and was like, you need to go to jail, I'd be like, wait, no. It's not a good idea for me to go to jail because also what happens to young politically naive activists when they go to jail sometimes get turned into informants. Right. And of course, Britain has a very long and insane history of, I mean, America does too, but the British like super grass program and they, you know, there was, there was people who were like married to people for like 20 years, but they were on assignment as police spies into political groups uh, it is fucking. Sometimes people host podcasts with people for a long time, and what? they were just informing on them. Um, <laughs> and it's like it's crazy. <laughs> but like Britain has this like really you know advanced yeah. history of informants, and a great way to turn someone into an informant is be like you're gonna go to prison unless you start telling me about you know these people you're organizing with. Yeah, I mean, I think this is like you know obviously these people. Uh, I mean, I don't want to say. Or I don't feel comfortable, like, accusing them of being just, like, a honeypot. But I do think that they clearly seem like useful idiots. And the way that they kind of use this activist-ish language, mm-hmm. which, like I said, sounds pretty much just like an HR fucking uh, handbook. Yeah. Um isn't it funny how activists and HR officers sound this exact fucking same? Both always get mad at me. But it's <laughs> but the, the thing that I am like that gives me a ton of pause is that this basically just seems like Occupy. Well, okay. So when you... I mean... Before I want to just... Before we get into that, I guess I just want to kind of bring it back because we were talking about... And we kind of like gone so many different places. We were talking about the Gates Foundation and also the way that they kind of greenwash these more sort of authoritarian um, scumbags, mm-hmm, scumbags programs, etc. Putting a fine little green face on exploitation or and, eugenics, yeah, or eugenics exactly. Um, but you see the same kind of thing happening where. This language of ecology, of climate, or whatever, is used kind of as a way of, like, co-opting a lot of different sort of... Political struggles. Yeah. In a way that I don't think is very helpful. Yeah. So when you talk about Occupy, I mean, you should go into that because I think there's a lot of similarities, like you point out. So the way this reminds me of Occupy Wall Street is this sort of decentralized sort of protest culture without like the decentralization part is a big part of it. But part of uh, Extinction Demands or excuse me, Extinction Rebellion's demands is to create these sort of citizens assemblies that have this this the way they describe it is really vague sort of political power over society. They don't appear to be like replacing parliament, for instance, but it's sort of supplemental to it. Uh, which, of course, itself acknowledges the fact that those in Parliament are often not citizens. Well, they're legally citizens, but they're not like average people or whatnot. Mm. They don't serve average people's interests. Uh, 
And that that really gives me pause because, I mean, if we saw one thing from the Occupy, the Occupy movement was, uh, it, of course, it took it, inspiration from these sort of European, this Indignados movement in Spain, etc. But in America, it, it, it was this sort of mishmash of everything from like right libertarians to left libertarians. <laughs> and and there was a lot of like energy there because there was a lot of frustration with the 2008, you know, financial collapse and, and sort of the these huge, huge bailouts that came after that. But it was funneled into this very narrow, like, all right, well, we camp here. And there's no real next step. We just camp here. And then I'll get arrested. Mm. And I think that, I mean, it was, it was it's, it's one purpose that it served to be good. Well, two purposes. Well, really one that's good. Is that, sure, it brought a lot of people into what is became sort of the modern socialist movement. Uh, how good that is, you know. But it, it, it did introduce a lot of people to this sort of vague, super vague class politics. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, it's that whole 99%, which I, it, I do not like that 99% versus 1% framing because the percents are pretty different, actually, if you look at who's against, really against who. Because right. sort of those middle classes often side with, you know, their benefactors uh, in the upper classes. Uh, right. But it, it does, it introduces this really vague notion of class politics, at least at least the notion of class politics, even if it's kind of incorrect ones. Uh, but with Extinction Rebellion, it's just so vague on what they demand. And uh, of course, as as uh, as Cory Morningstar ports out in that wrong kind of green website, it doesn't mention capitalism once on their website. Well, yeah, I don't think that it's actually anti-capitalist. Well, it's clearly not, because one of the things that they are asking to be done is for these companies to change the way that they do business. Well, yeah, and that's exactly my point about these like liberal activists that are pleading with Big Daddy, you know, whatever yeah. that may take, what form that may take, to do something about the problem. They're not realizing, you know, themselves taking control or confronting those powers and you know what I mean they're demanding that those powers just do something about it and this is how you know it's really and you know plenty of um green activists have have pointed this out you know that you know the green brown alliance is much more a big worry or is could possibly be a bigger worry yeah. than it's any kind r- of brown red alliance well yeah so by that you mean for for those of us who are listeners may not know what that means brown meaning fascist right yeah and and that is you know there have been a lot of articles lately about these sort of new breed of eco-fascists yeah and these kind of lone gunman types and then they sort of organize into these loose but if you're but if your instinct if your demand is that these companies just do better then it's like you're ceding all authority to them so all they have to do is just put a green face on, yeah, and nothing's changed. And it's 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 funny because there actually used to be a pretty robust eco terrorism movement in the U.S. and other places that was not like a fascist movement, of course. No, no, I mean it's evolved into that, but yeah, I mean you're talking about like with the WTO protests. Well, the WTO and ELF, ALF, Animal yeah. Liberation Front. Earth right. Liberation Front. You know what's always so funny is that you can always tell this was like a huge thing in the culture because there are so many Law & Order episodes about it. They kind of exactly. Know. And you know, actually, it's funny. In the year, in 2001, a little before 9-11, about eight months before, the FBI declared the ELF the number one terror threat in the United States. And that a significant portion of the FBI's like kind of counterterrorism funding 
was against the ELF, who I believe have never killed a single person. No, Just they were mostly focused on arson and stuff yeah. like that against, and of course, tree spiking and shit like that. Right. Uh, I mean, and it's 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 the way our media, of course, treats these like environmental activists who are. I mean, chaining yourself to a tree is pretty wild. You know, right? it is really crazy. You know, I haven't really thought about this in a long time, but it's really crazy. I feel like as a kid, environmental activism of that nature, no mm-hmm. pun intended, um, was like always around. Like I was always yeah. aware of it. I mean, maybe it's also being in the Bay Area, but like between here and, and what was happening in the Pacific Northwest, it was kind of like really big hotbeds for that kind of activism. Like it was, the Pacific Northwest too, especially in the West yeah, Coast. Yeah, like, you know, that was something I was really aware of. It's all pretty much gone. Uh, absolutely, Yeah. I mean, first of all, surveillance has become really advanced. Right, um, right. But, but even also, the instinct to do things like that mm-hmm. is pretty much gone. These sort of like, I mean, the only politicized sort of violent things you see now are are basically mass shootings. You don't see like someone burning down like. And a, we don't even tend to think of those as politicized. No, exactly. But like, which even is also the, a problem. The only thing that's like remotely connected to that. Uh, especially nothing that like, and you don't see these people like chaining themselves to trees or like, I mean, it still does happen. It happened a couple of years ago. Yeah. Was, like, a and there was no dapple. Oh yeah. There was no, yeah, no dapple too. Exactly. And like things like that seem to me to be a totally different breed than things like Extinction Rebellion. Oh, absolutely. A thousand percent. Because, because people... also what you see with Extinction Rebellion is like a bunch of spont- spontaneous, just sort mm-hmm. of, you know, oh, you, you know, you see people, we're just going to shut down the street. Yeah. But with no objective. Exactly. And no purpose. Yeah, no, I think it's really obvious that these are two very different, like, different in kind. Yeah. Like, what we're talking about in terms of direct action that is... um, Actually preventing some of these things from getting built, or at least temporarily. Yeah, it's taking on, like, specific things, like, almost at a local level, Mm -hmm. regardless of how big those powers are, right? But it's, like, actual real material things. Yeah. And not just this sort of, like, big... Do something. Anarcho, spontaneous uh, action that isn't... That isn't directed... That, yeah, it's it's demand is to do something, but with no, no... um, you know, it, you know, who, what? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, what are the demands? Because the people were asking to do something. Because if you don't have anything specific, then they'll say, okay, we're doing something. Well, they have some sp- specific things, but the turn, like the whole do something thing, which has kind of become an ethos for a lot of people, or like their main thing, like do something, do something, do something. Well, sometimes doing something is worse than nothing. Like if we do the wrong thing, like, you know, this whole carbon capture thing, which seems to me, to be kind of fake, right? That we can just actually, all this pollution that we're doing, we can just reverse it by capturing it in the air. Uh, well, you know the easiest way to do that? What? Is just to plant a shit ton of fucking trees. You know a great place to do that would be? The fertile ground of mass graves of these people who <laughs> these companies. No, but it's true. You know, this is largely, like, not in the conversation because everyone acknowledges, and this is what's so funny to me, everyone acknowledges this is not a political reality because the idea of getting any government to support just literally, like, 
taking land and planting mass amounts of trees is so out, which by the way is the most simple and obvious solution, Mm -hmm. but it is so out of the realm of anything that's possible that now all activist energy is directed towards like, well, maybe we can just get the oil companies to be a little bit nicer and that'll fix things. And it's like, no, 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 no. There are solutions. Yeah. But it's like you're already stopping yourself from even... You know what I mean? I mean, at the end of the day, these companies can't exist if we want to, like, change the world in any meaningful No, like way. I said, it's the crisis of accumulation. Yeah. It's not a crisis. I mean, it's like... I mean, there is you know, an environmental look, crisis, but, like, it's not one But that's it's the like, same thing. We can't solve... I don't understand the, the concept of sort of solving people, it using the same thing that got us into it. Well, yeah, it's like people, oh, you know, all this green technology. It's like, do you guys know the environmental toll that mineral extraction does? And where exactly. in the world yeah. that toll is? Yeah, because, I mean, it's not in, you know, Washington, D.C. Washington, D.C. <laughs> <laughs> Um, now I'm just like getting mad. Yeah. Well, how, well I hate hippies. I, I love them. Anti hippie. Really? Mm. Liz, your dreadlocks are literally <laughs> so long that they get in my mouth when we do these things. Oh, praise. Let's tie it back. Do not ever join a movement that is like, I want you to get arrested without any centralized <laughs> like plan. Or Their plan is to gum up the works. But let me tell you, there are a lot of prison cells in every country, and they will fill them with you. In fact, they can't be filled. They'll just put you in them forever. Uh, try not to get on. Like Anybody that asks you to get arrested, think about it. Mm-mm. Right? Don't just do it. Yeah. Also, take a look at the money. Yeah, I mean, the money for Extinction Rebellion, I'm looking at their bank reports right now. You know, they got, what is it, 20,000 pounds from uh, Greenpeace, which was, of course, started by a CIA asset. Uh, Radiohead, who... Radiohead? Yeah. Gave him 300,000 pounds. Poor little Tom uh, Climate Emergency Fund. I mean, this is all wrapped up in the Al Gore stuff, too. This is all wrapped up in NGOs, which yeah. are basically, you know, NGOs. Some of that, you know, it's... There was actually a great talk on this, but... Um, you know, I don't want to say all NGOs. I'm sure there's some NGOs that do some good work. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, NGOs really exist to as a way for, like, moving a bunch of Western aid money, mm-hmm. a.k.a. U.S. dollars, through these different organizations for various kind of, you know, nefarious global projects yeah and they're really good at ngos in particular particularly after you know it really it's the emergence in the late 90s early 2000s really when they're coming into their own it feels like yeah um mid to late 90s uh that they're really good at siphoning off activist energy Mm -hmm. and kind of um, quarantining it within these sort of organizations that, you know, have questionable um, 
incentives. Well, and the thing is, they actually tie up a lot of like organizers' energy into like, absolutely like people who work for these fucking NGOs that could do work, good work, if they weren't doing that. Right. Anybody who works for an NGO that's listening to this, quit your job and get a job at McDonald's and work with your coworkers there, and mm. you'll be doing a lot better things for this world. <laughs> The only solution to the climate cli- crime, crime, the climate crisis. <laughs> I call it the climate crisis. The only solution to the climate crisis is uh, like ultra eco Stalinism. We need the climate joker. We do. Yeah. Well, the thing is, these eco fascists they climate, are the climate jokers. Yeah. <laughs> and and I think a lot of people see like. <laughs> Uh, I think a lot of people see that like, oh, well, the solution to like these markets are too chaotic to like actually be focused on fixing the climate. And they see fascism, unfortunately, as the only thing that can do it. Whereas uh, yeah. the true thinking mind sees Stalinism. It's the only <laughs> way that we can do it with these planned economies uh, uh, and such. And, and, and uh, let's say directives <laughs> that that like uh, you know we can build a lot of canals that's all i'm saying did you see the lebanese protesters in joker makeup uh, absolutely did i see them i flew out there and did it did you were well, you the lebanese clown prince of well i was watching crime? from is from the golan um, <laughs> but uh just kidding that's syria uh it's yeah that amazing i know i'm, I'm trying to i'm trying to get in this contact with chileans to get them be. to do Between it too Pepe's in Hong Kong and Joker's in Lebanon. This has got, you know, I got some questions. Stuck in the middle with you. <laughs> Stuck in the middle You know what? For every person who says the internet is not real life, point to the Pepe's in Hong Kong. There's literally Pepe's on the streets of Hong Kong. <laughs> Frogs and, running around. And Joker's in the Middle East. My God. That was one of the ten plagues. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, this has been the Lebanese Joker. Brace Belden. You know I'm a Pepe. Oh, absolutely, Chinese Pepe. <laughs> Liz, hi, and bye. We're st- <laughs> stuck in the middle with your producer. Uh, uh, what other pop cultural icon is there? Oh, uh, beaded hippie, twirling, whirling dervish, young Chomsky. <laughs> um, this has been your rambling weekly episode of Trunon, and we'll see you guys next time. Bye bye. <laughs> Jeffrey Epstein. Jeffrey Epstein.